You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Andrew, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. All right, boys and girls, I'm going to ask you a couple questions. If you have an answer to a question that I ask, make sure you raise your hand so I can call on you to get that answer, okay? So, what is the weirdest place you've ever fallen asleep? The weirdest place you ever fell asleep. One time, Judah's little brother, Jesse, he fell asleep in the high chair with food in his mouth. He was just... While sitting there. It was so funny. Yeah. He fell asleep in the kitchen one time. Yeah. In the bathroom. Oh, boy. Yeah. (laughs) He fell asleep with his face in his bowl of soup. What about, sometimes do you fall asleep in the car when you're on a trip? Yeah, I bet you did. Mm Mm-hmm. You flipped? No, you slept on the mountain. No, I slept in the snowmobile with Okay. <laughs> yeah, did you have a funny place you fell asleep? Okay. Yeah, in the car all the time, yeah. Oh, man, another one on the bathroom floor. Well, what about how many of you have a little brother or a little sister? Okay, so you know where they usually sleep, right? When they're babies, especially, where do they sleep? In the crib, right. So something that's really interesting for us to remember, especially today on Christmas morning, is that when Jesus was born, he didn't have a hospital with a crib to sleep in. He didn't even have his own room with a bed to sleep in or a, or a baby clothes. You're right. He didn't have a crib to sleep in. And he slept instead in a manger. That was the closest thing they could make in the space that Mary and Joseph, his mom and dad, were. They made a bed with the best they could. And you know what? That's okay. That's exactly what God said would happen. That he'd be wrapped up in cloths because he didn't have baby clothes like Judah said. And he'd be in a manger. So there's a song that I think you might know. And if you don't, we're going to sing it and you can sing it with us called Away in a Manger. That reminds us. That he had no crib for a bed, but that's exactly how God took care of him anyway. So, let's sing this together, if you can. Away in a manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. The stars in the sky looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. Good job, boys and girls. So, what is a song that you sing on someone's birthday? You're right. So we should probably sing that, shouldn't we? Let's sing happy birthday to Jesus. Okay, ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Jesus. Happy 
happy birthday to you. So birthdays are super fun, right? You like to have parties and you like to eat lots of candy. So guess what? That's what we usually do on Christmas. Yes, Avery? Uh-huh. Yep. Yep, your mommy made some awesome cakes for your birthday party. And I bet you guys, some of you even dressed up in cool pajamas for Christmas. I know our kids did. So today, I like to sing a happy song, too. So the first song we sang when we came in this morning is that song, Joy to the World. So we sing that song at Christmas because we want to be reminded of how happy it is that Jesus came. But we also want to remember that he's going to come back. That's what this song is really about, is when he comes back and how much joy we'll have then. Because then all the sad things will come untrue. All the broken things in this world will be fixed. So that kind of joy is going to be even better than all the joy from all the Christmases and all the presents you ever opened. So, let's sing Joy to the World together. Okay, ready? Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Let's everybody sing it. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room, and heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. You did. Good job, boys and girls. Thank you for helping me sing. You guys can go back to your seats. And go home, right? Just pray and go home. That was uh, worth being here this morning. I, it is as I suspected. I look around and I see that the people who are here are people that, for whatever reasons, just didn't have a lot of presence at home. And so you said, "Oh, honey, we're just go, we're going to church. We don't have time for more anyway. It's okay." But it was good for us to have that kind of time with them and David and whoever would do it up here. Just do an awesome job. They all do an awesome job with that. Thank you very much. And it's so appropriate that the two songs that they sang were about the first advent of Jesus and the second advent of Jesus. My name is Brad Talley. I'm the teaching elder here. I think I know all of you who are in the room, but just in case uh, you don't, um, I, 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 that's who I am. And I would like to say how very uh, brave I think it is of you parents. When, some, when children are called forward and you know that they likely are going to be asked questions for you to send your children anyway, you know, 
I saw a few of you saying, no, honey, just stay right here. (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, But you never know. And, of course, that is the fun of it for those of us who no longer have children who are up in uh, that kind of a setting. Uh, It's our custom to have testimonies during the service twice a year. Typically, and I don't like the idea that they're so close together. It's the the Sunday after Thanksgiving and then either the Sunday before or right after Christmas. Uh, And typically, we would do that today. But I decided there's just so much to say about the text that we better hold off until next week. Actually, I'm not going to say nearly as much as I normally do on a Sunday morning. We do have little ones with us, and so we're making this an abbreviated service. I don't know if any of you, I'm I'm sure a lot of you actually, but many don't, uh, see the Babylon Bee on Facebook and Twitter feed and all that. Uh, it's, It's a Christian satire a site and some really, really funny stuff. And one of them recently it had um, a, a picture of a church sign. It said closed Christmas. And that the headline was, in honor of Christ's birth, church decides to cancel Christmas services. <laughs> now, I will say in, um, in, uh, in defense of, of those churches that do cancel Christmas service, very often it's the larger churches and they have had six, eight, ten Christmas Eve services. And their people have been doing it. Autumn and Brian, both my daughter and son-in-law, our daughter and, and son-in-law work at Hope Community Church in uh, Raleigh. And they had six at the Raleigh campus. And then a lot of other campuses haven't. So they're off today and cooking steaks for us. So that's another reason I better get on with it. So let me ask you, what would you do? If you were in charge of the world, if you were in charge of the world, what would you do to make it a better place? Probably you would answer uh, in one of two ways. The world would be a much better place if I were in charge or second, oh my, help us all if I am in charge of the world. It's far easier, isn't it, to criticize those who are in charge of making the world a better place than it is to actually have a plan just in case you are one day in charge of the world. Well, what if you were God? If you were God, of course, you could do whatever you want to do, right? Well, to contemplate that, to think, okay, if I had ultimate power, if I were God, here's what I would do. I can do anything I want to do. It's to think in human kinds of ways. We are finite people, and we are going to always view the world through a sinful and a finite grid, don't you know? What if you were God and you loved your creation infinitely more than any of us could possibly have loved those children who were up here? And I'm telling you, my heart was so full seeing those kids up here this morning. What if you loved your creation, your created beings, far more than any human can ever know a love. And yet, your holy state of being would not allow them into your presence in their sinful condition. How would you address the problem? Most likely, you would not address it the way God did. You would probably think about, okay, let me find a way to make them worthy to be here. Now you're thinking like, 
no, you're not thinking like a divine person. You're thinking like a human. God's way of making us worthy to be with him is utterly different from anything that we would have chosen to do. It's amazing, is it not, how foolish the gospel message of Jesus, God in the flesh, dying on the cross for our sins, is to those who don't believe. And how brilliant it is to those who do believe. To make it possible for us to live in God's presence for eternity, He lived in our presence. He became one of us. So that we might become like him. He didn't just appear on the scene. But rather he came as a helpless baby. He wasn't a special person on whom God had poured out an extra portion of his spirit. Nor was he again someone who just happened to be there one day. He was born of a woman. Fully God, fully man. Jesus in both his divine and human natures blessed He blesses us in every way, in every area of our lives. But it is in his death that we are made alive. And God told his people that it would be that way. But most weren't looking for that kind of a Messiah. They were looking for a leader who would help them defeat their enemies. And so they missed God in their midst. Even though Jesus is now bodily present in heaven at the right hand of the Father in the throne room of God, he is presently in our midst through his word and through the Holy Spirit who is the author of scripture and always points us. He always points everything to Jesus. It's one of the reasons that you have to be careful In places where the Holy Spirit is elevated at such a level. Because the Holy Spirit is saying no. it's The focus is on Jesus. That's my role. Just like it was the Son's role to submit to the Father. And obey the Father in His perfect plan of salvation. The Spirit's role is to point us to Jesus. So. This morning we're going to read in, in one of those places. Where the Lord pointed His people to Jesus, although they didn't know him by his name. That's not entirely accurate because they knew many of the names which the Messiah would be called, as we find in our text. But they didn't know him as Jesus, son of Mary, and allegedly son of Joseph. Joseph, You're going to find a few of the names where uh, God told his people who Jesus would be. These names are really descriptions, descriptors. Of him, and it's in our text this morning, Isaiah 9, verses 1 through 7. Just like it was last night uh, with the text, it would take far too long to provide a full context of everything Isaiah's been saying in the first nine chapters of his book uh, to the Jewish people. But uh, it, it, suffice it to say, by the time we get to chapter 9, Isaiah had already prophesied that big trouble is coming for the people of God because they had turned their backs on him. And he said, you're going to be taken into captivity. But he also promised that a blessing would come to them. A blessing would come to them in a child. And not the kind of blessing that we receive this morning, just watching these children. But a deliverer, a Messiah, a Savior. 
So, as is our custom, would you please stand as we read our text this morning, Isaiah 9, verses 1 through 7. Now, he's talked about the the judgment that is to come, and he says, But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter times, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness... Have seen a great light. That's a beautiful word, isn't it? The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased the joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. As they are, I can't read that on that screen, (laughs) glad when they divide The spoil. For the yoke of his burden. And the staff for his shoulder. And the rod of his oppressor. You have broken. As on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior. In battle tumult. And every garment rolled in blood. Will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us. A child is born. And to us. A son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. That's what that joy to the world is talking about. That day when, his, when there will be no end to his peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it. And to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Let's pray. Lord, we long for the day when all of these prophecies will come to pass. But even in this time of already not yet, we can rejoice greatly because of who we are in Christ. And we give thanks for the birth of your son all these many years ago. And we thank you for the new birth, for those who believe. We thank you for the way that you have made of salvation and the beautiful promises that you have made for those who follow you. And so, Lord, draw us closer this morning. In the name of our Savior, on his birthday, Jesus, amen. Thank you, BC. We're going to focus on uh, verse 6 primarily, but just a moment on verse 7. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Most of the time when we think about how we would change the world, 
if it were in our power to do so. Most of the time, at, at least in our good moments, we're thinking about how we want justice for all. We don't just think about ourselves. As silly as we can tend to think it is when people say, my wish for Christmas is for world peace. That's really a good desire. It's a good wish, isn't it? I mean, don't we all desire that? We recognize that there will be no peace until the Lord comes and reigns in righteousness. But it's certainly what our hearts ought to be. And if we were God, we would want that. Why do we think like that? We're made in God's image. We want to be like Him. We want to carry out His will for this world. But there are a few problems. I mean, first, most of us equate equate justice with fairness. If you don't think that's the case, you just watch one of the football games later today and have passionate fans of both sides in in the room, especially if the game means something. I can't believe he called that. Well, you can't believe it. It's about time the official called that. He's been blind the whole... It's back and forth. What's fair? What is not fair? Second, do you really want me to carry out my brand of justice with zeal? Really, is that what you want? The lines between biblical principles and justice can be easily blurred. And while believers absolutely must cry out against injustice, do not conflate the gospel with your particular brand of justice. Far better to let the Lord of hosts exact such justice in the world. When he reigns, there will be no end to his reign. It will be forever. Who is this perfect one who will render perfect justice? Verse 6. For to us, a child is born. Look, at any point, if anybody breaks out with the hallelujah chorus, that'd be all right. Well, I'll just stand and sing it. Sing away. Yesterday, we watched, Allison and I watched um, the candlelight by Christmas or Christmas by candlelight is it is in Melbourne, Australia. And I know some of those people who were performing because I'm over there, you know, and we we used to watch the Today Show with Allison's mom and the lady who was the co-host um, was the was one of the co-hosts of this particular uh, show. And man, they sang the most beautiful rendition of uh, the Hallelujah Chorus. In fact, it was t- just to give you a little bit of Christmas sentimentality. Um, it, it was the very last thing Allison's mom watched before she had a stroke. She went to take a shower after she watched this show. They always watched it growing up. Uh, Christmas by Candlelight. It's in Melbourne, Australia. And this was the 2014 show. It was the very show that she watched just before she had the stroke and then passed away 10 days later. And to think about the beauty of that that not only that song, but it's the thought that makes it so great when we will all be praising the Lord. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So the birth announcement 
that the angel of the Lord gave. That David so beautifully talked about several weeks ago. In Bethlehem on the night that Jesus was born. Was not the first birth announcement. This one was given like 700 years before Jesus was born. He gave this beautiful announcement to us. A child is born. It's almost as if it had happened. And when God says something. You can be assured it will happen. God's word always accomplishes the purposes for which they were intended. Allison and I always pray about the service when we're coming over here on Sunday morning. And it just occurred to me as I was praying, Lord, accomplish your purposes according to your word or with your word. God has promised that he's going to do that. And yet he calls us to pray for that very thing. Look, if you don't do that, I hope that you that would be a good practice for this next year. As you're coming, pray that the word will reside as it should in all of our hearts. And that God will accomplish his purposes through his word. And if there are those in our midst that don't know the gospel or they don't understand the gospel or they don't believe the God. Pray for all of those things to occur. Not just here. We pray for churches all around us. All in our area and all around the world. Literally. And for those where the gospel has already been preached, we're praying Lord, let that seed take root, water it, cause it to grow, and bring fruit from that. So, God's word was already accomplished when it was said, Jesus is born. He was pro- Isaiah prophesied that a child would be born who would become the one upon whose shoulders the government would rest. In other words... A king, but this is not your ordinary run-of-the-mill ruler over a realm kind of a king. This is king of kings, lord of lords. Look at the four names that are given. First, wonderful counselor. Isaiah spent a lot of time in his, in, in his prophecies to the people of Israel. Distinguishing between the wisdom of this world and the wisdom of God. And he was constantly saying, do not be caught up in the wisdom of the day. Listen to your God, who is perfect wisdom. Wouldn't it be nice if we had Jesus today to give us his wisdom? Well, we do. In his word. God speaks to us in his word. You ever make the connection? In the beginning was the word there. There's all kinds of stuff going on when John says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. Word to the Hebrews was a wisdom, a word of wisdom from God. It was scripture. It was God's word accomplishing its purposes. To the Greek, it was this philosophical idea that there's a principle, great principle of the universe. Star Wars kind of a thing is always going to, good's going to win over evil in the long run, but it's sure going to be a movie quality battle in, in, in between. In the beginning was the word, we have, the word is Jesus, of course, is what he's saying in John 1. But God's word speaks to us. Just as if Jesus were in our midst. The word became flesh. Dwelled among us. We have his words in scripture. Scripture points to Jesus. The wonderful counselor. He is also mighty God. And you got to 
you would assume that there have been, and you would be right to assume, that there have been many creative attempts at explaining away the deity of Jesus Christ when looking at this particular verse. But it's the same name used for God that is found in Isaiah 20, 10, 21, Deuteronomy 10, 17, Jeremiah 32, 18. In other words, Old Testament says, I, the mighty God, say this to you. And now he's saying in Isaiah 7, 14, this child will be born. And guess who he is? Mighty God. Such a thing could never be in the minds of Jewish scholars. And so, even though they expected God to be born as a child, it's highly unlikely they assumed that it would be a virgin birth via Mary. Although Isaiah prophesied the virgin birth as well in 7.14. Isaiah setting it up, this is who this child is going to be. The Jewish leaders of the day were not looking for Jesus. There is New Testament evidence, though, to suggest that the Pharisees and the scribes of the day had done enough research to know the scandalous circumstances surrounding Jesus' birth. And absolutely, there's almost no doubt in my mind, we don't see it anywhere, but there's no doubt in my mind that they had traced his lineage. And they had seen that he was from the kingly tribe of Judah. And when they found that out, they somehow said, look, look, just, <laughs> really? This kid is the king? Okay, so we, but there are a lot of people who could trace their lineage to, to David. They found a way to deny what was right in front of their face. They rejected the Messiah, who was wonderful counselor, mighty God, and also everlasting father. There's no doubt this is God. Now look, don't confuse the designation of Messiah to say that he is the father. And, and understand that means the, that the father and the son are one person. The New Testament makes it very clear that there are three persons, one God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God. The point is, this king will be like a father. He's not just one to judge, but he's one to gather. He'll be like a father, and his origin is from everlasting to everlasting. Remember, during Jesus' ministry, he prayed to the Father with the help of the Holy Spirit. There's no doubt, though, that God is saying that the baby Born will be God in the flesh. Can you wrap your mind around such a thing? I think you can. Because it's important enough for you to be here on Sunday morning, Christmas Day. And in fact, I imagine that most of you thrilled to be here this morning. Just for thinking, what a great day to be at church. The last name given for the child to be born. The son that is to be given is called the Prince of Peace. By the way, why do, why, why do we believe this? We just do. Show me, God, that you exist and I will believe you. And his response is, believe me and I will show you. 
Prince of Peace. You know, as I said last night, no matter which way this election had gone, at least half the country was going to be fairly concerned about the future of the country. Now, maybe this surprises you, maybe it doesn't, but, but gun sales, survival kits, freeze-dried foods are selling just as briskly as they were two months ago, but it is a completely different clientele buying them. No joke. It's Democrats buying them now, not Republicans. Republicans were buying it a few months ago, and now it's the Democrats. So we're in a mess, really. You know what we need? We need, we need the Prince of Peace. There is no long-term hope for any of us, any nation, apart from the Prince of Peace. Look, you don't have to be alarmist on one side of the political scale or another to look out there and say, we're in trouble. Just look at history. Our time is coming to an end. It is. Our hope is not in a better society. Our hope is in Jesus. Now, if you hope in Jesus, you will absolutely work for a better society. You will require justice. You will stand up for the downtrodden because it is required of you by the God who is the Prince of Peace. Who ultimately will have everyone on the exact same page. <coughs> the complexities that exist when the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God intersect is why we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. Extend mercy. Pursue justice. But make sure your heart and your hope is in Christ alone. Make sure that is what you communicate to the world. That the hope is in Jesus. The more you share the gospel with others the more people who will be able to share and extend, share in this extended eternal reign of peace in the sun. Wait a minute. Isn't God the one who saved? We don't, yeah, just somehow it works that way. You know, it's prayer. Same thing. Pray, pray that God's word will go forth. He's, he's already promised that it will and accomplish the purposes, but we're called to pray about that. We're also called to share the gospel and the more we share, the more people will be saved. It's just the way it works. According to our text, God is big enough to handle anything that the world throws at you. And in your life, no matter what your trials are, if you follow Jesus, he is wonderful counselor to you. He's the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Let his peace dwell in your heart knowing this world was never going to be where it all happens anyway. 
It's going to happen just exactly like God desired. And it's going to be beyond anything we could have ever imagined. Our hope is in Christ. Not in ourselves. Not in anyone else. Our hope is in Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, the hallelujah chorus is ringing in my heart. I'm so grateful that you didn't say, all right, do the best you can and we'll see how it ends up in the end. Lord, I, if, if it's up to my good works, I'm, I'm done. I'm toast. I'm, I'm a sinner in the first place. And and, and even if I, you overlook the fact that I have a sin nature, which you don't, but even if you did and I, I were given the opportunity to, to do my best to make a good impression, I know I would fall short. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for this baby, this helpless baby that was born who was also the, the creator of the stars. Lord, thank you for Jesus. May he be to us all that you have designed him to be. And Lord, on this day where we think about what it means that you gave to us freely of your own, may we give accordingly to others. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, two whole chapters on benevolence offerings. And Jim McLaughlin prayed it last night. Although he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor. That we might enjoy the riches of heaven. And so we gladly, hilariously give. Knowing that you find all kinds of ways to show and extend mercy and grace and love to others. And so... Only when we fully understand can we say, this is sharing the gospel in this kind of a way. It's not a social gospel at all. But it's, it, it's showing the love of Christ to others, to those who are in need. And we, we are grateful to do so. Bless this offering. Bless the rest of our day. And then we go out of here this day singing praises. In the name of Christ, I pray. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.